right, all right, all right. I'm Farzi Vasuga, and this is the Chief Zone Podcast. Recapping a Chiefsless Sunday, but still some good things happened for Kansas City. We'll talk about that. Also, uh, look back a little bit at the Chiefs and Chargers Thursday night game. We'll, we'll give our final thoughts on that and then turn the page on that. Also talk a little bit about Eric Berry. Uh, we didn't talk about him at all in the last episode simply because that final drive really just overshadowed anything and everything that happened in that entire game. Eric Berry obviously did return, was a big moment for the Chiefs. Uh, We'll talk about that and how the Chiefs limited him and why I take an issue with that. Plus, some bad news for the Kansas City Chiefs on Friday as one Chiefs player uh, went under the knife and is going to miss a little bit of time but may come back. We'll talk about that and also look at the playoff picture. New England, back-to-back losses in the month of December. Uh, Never saw that coming. And by the way, if you saw this coming before the season, going into Week 16... The Patriots and the Steelers, neither of them hold one of the top two seeds in the AFC. And by the way, the only two teams in the AFC who still have a uh, a playoff spot sealed up right now, it's the Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, Everyone else, they're still fighting for a spot. Very, very crazy scenario in the AFC. We'll look at the playoff picture, also tell you what needs to happen for the Chiefs. And some of the odd scenarios, I will make it as simple as possible for you guys. Uh, I'll explain it as easy as possible, but there is just one simple thing the Chiefs do need to win out. I'll explain why later on in the podcast. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That is my Facebook page. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. Also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Plus email me Farzine at Farzine Vesugian. Dot com. Hey, guys, I've got to say, the, the social media since Thursday has been through the roof. All of you guys, I mean, for the Facebook Live videos and all the tweets and Facebook posts, all the interaction, you guys have been great. And even on a Sunday where the Chiefs weren't playing, you guys still uh, had a lot to talk about. And it helps. There was a lot to talk about in the news. Uh, so I appreciate all of you guys who have been interacting on social media. If you haven't already, hey, I just told you guys the uh, the, the links. Go to them on Facebook and Twitter and talk to me on there. Also interact with other Chiefs fans. Uh, so be sure you guys do that if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Hit subscribe for the Chiefs on Podcast. Share it as well with your friends on social media. Alright, let's wrap up our thoughts on the Chiefs and Chargers. Because I do want to move on from this. Uh, look, I, I'll just say what I said last episode. Everyone deserves... Blame for this. Everyone should be accepting responsibility for that loss. From the coaches, the play calling, uh, being complacent, being conservative, and also the defense for allowing the two touchdowns in a short uh, time span plus a two-point conversion. And the offense not putting the game away when they should have. And speaking of the offense, that's where I want to start. Kansas City had three three and outs in this football game. A couple of them late in in the second half. And also had a... Short drive that lasted only four plays. Uh, Here's what's crazy. The Chiefs had four drives that were brief. The three three and outs and one four-play drive, as I just mentioned. Outside of that, the rest of their drives were touchdown drives. So it was kind of a weird game for Kansas City. It was either a great drive or a drive that was very brief and they punted the football shortly afterwards. One of those three and outs, by the way, was a drive that started in Chargers territory. And the Chiefs had 
a chance to put the game away on offense. They didn't. Play calling, probably the worst uh, I've seen this year, and it was mostly in the fourth quarter how it was, being up by 14 with, what, eight minutes to go, and the Chargers didn't score until there was five minutes left to go to cut the deficit to seven, and the Chiefs still blew that game away. So uh, blame goes to everybody. It's not just the defense, not just Orlando Skandrick or Bob Sutton or Andy Reid. Uh, look, I, I even have to put Pat Mahomes uh, it's, it's under under scrutiny here. Someone tweeted me and said, well, he's 23 years old. Why are you blaming him? We've been praising Patrick Mahomes all year long. You cannot sit here and tell me that the one moment where maybe he does something wrong and struggles, we, we're not going to blame him because he's quote-unquote 23 years old. I'm sorry, but we've had a lot of young quarterbacks in Kansas City, and we've been blaming them for their struggles. So, I don't think Patrick Mahomes is immune to any criticism just because he's having a great season. Uh, I mean, look, look, look at Tom Brady and how the Steelers did. You're, I mean, Tom Brady, the five-time Super Bowl champion, you're going to tell me he's not allowed to be criticized ever for a bad game? I mean, look, he's entitled to have a bad game once in a while. Patrick Mahomes, will. Str- he's not going to be perfect as much as we, we've we all fallen in love with Patrick Mahomes all year long. But at the end of the day, you you can't sit there and say that Mahomes is 23 years old and that this is unfair criticism. Every, a lot of Chiefs fans are saying he's the MVP, and I agree with that. So if you are the MVP, you need to find ways to win football games like this, and that didn't happen in this football game. And again, Mahomes is not the only person to blame. There's a lot of blame to go around, but I, I think he's part of it in, in what happened on Thursday's loss. So blame goes around everywhere. Here's what I think. The Chiefs win this football game if they're not complacent. Don't get comfortable. This is an Andy Reid issue. We know about past choke jobs. I don't I don't need to sit here and remind you of all the games under Andy Reid that the Chiefs have just given away when they should have put away and won. We all know about it and we've had enough of it. These next five games, the two regular season games and the three playoff games, including the Super Bowl, hopefully... It'll be five games total. Uh, if it's six games, that means they play a wild card game, but still go to the Super Bowl. But the rest of the year, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. Do not let your foot off the gas. And I get it. Some people want to say that uh, you don't want to put put too much on game film because you'll let teams uh, see some of your plays when you don't need to. And listen, I'm at the point now, first of all... Uh, you can pull a spygate and hand your playbook to the opposing defensive coordinator. They still won't stop the Chiefs. This Chiefs offense has been unstoppable this year. There have been a couple of games where they've struggled, uh, but this Chiefs team has been hard to stop. Fewest points scored this year, 26 against Arizona. The Ravens did hold the Chiefs to 24 in a four-quarter period, so that is worth noting. But look, uh, you can't stop the Chiefs as long as Andy Reid does not go into conservative mode. But another reason, and this is just what I just said, another reason to keep going is because we have seen some of these big leads pretty much disappear. And it has led to heartbreaking losses. So look, just just floor it. Don't even stop at any point uh, if you're Kansas City. I get what a lot of people will say. If you're up by 14 w- midway through the fourth quarter, are, are you going to say, no, I, I don't want to, I don't want the Chiefs to stop. I've already seen it plenty of times. 
We've, we've seen all the different situations where the Chiefs have allowed teams to come back into games. Fortunately, not all of them. They blew like, like, like the Steelers game in week two. The Chiefs had a 21-0 lead on the Steelers, and the Steelers tied it at halftime. Now, un, not unfortunately, fortunately is what I meant to say. Fortunately, that didn't hurt the Chiefs too badly. They never lost the lead in that football game. So the Chiefs have been able to prevent a complete comeback a couple of times. The Chiefs, at the end of the day, pull out all stops in these last five games. Win the last two. You sh- you will get the number one seed. And dominate these last three games, man. Look, I know the Chiefs don't have a good defense. But how much has that hurt them this year? Yes, it's terrible. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not. And I'm not breaking any news. You guys already know this. But answer me this. How badly has the defense hurt the Chiefs to the point where they're trailing in the conference? I know it's a very narrow race right now, but the Chiefs haven't trailed all year long. I I, I don't think that's any accident. And I know Kansas City's high-powered offense has managed to overshadow Kansas City's really terrible defense. And if the Chiefs' offense was just... One step back from being what they are right now, okay, maybe we're talking about a different season, but fortunately, that's not the case. And I've told you guys this before, and I'll say it again, as long as you have Patrick Mahomes and you've got a couple of the key players like uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and hopefully Sammy Watkins comes back as soon as possible, I'm pretty confident in this team's ability to make a run for the Super Bowl. I, I, I really am. I know some of you guys may not feel that way, especially coming off a loss like this, but and, and I've said this many times over the years, Hopefully, and again, I'll repeat myself, but you would think at some point Andy Reid is going to get it and understand why the Chiefs have given up some some of these big leads. Maybe it's because of the conservative play calling and being too complacent and thinking that the game is quote-unquote over. Look, I, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I thought the game was over once the Chiefs had a 14-point lead. It was 28-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter. I, I, I was done. I, I, I was pretty good with everything. I didn't think the Chargers were going to come back, but they did against Kansas City, so at this point, uh, here's my biggest key factor, people want to talk about X's and O's, there is one simple key for the Chiefs in the rest of the season, and that is to not be conservative, if the Chiefs can do that in, in these last five games, I think they not only win the last two games of the regular season, but I think you've got yourself the Lamar Hunt Trophy coming back to Arrowhead, coming back to Kansas City, and I think you've also got a Vince Lombardi Trophy to go along with it. I think I, I truly do believe that being complacent, being comfortable, that is what will hurt Kansas City. Not the defense. It's Andy Reid. He is he is essentially the MVP for the Chiefs for the last five games. How does he manage things moving forward? That is the biggest and most important thing to me in the last five games. Hopefully, five games for the Chiefs. From here on out. Bad news, by the way. Uh, Friday morning, we learned that Chiefs cornerback Kendall Fuller, uh, uh, he had wrist surgery Friday morning. Uh, this was uh, news broken by ESPN's Adam Schefter. No clarity on how long he will be out for. By the way, I apologize. I, I meant ESPN's uh, Adam Teicher. Uh, but Schefter had a pretty good article about this on ESPN's website. Uh, talked about uh, there's no clarity on how long he'll be out for, so he's, his season is not over yet. Dr. David Chow, who's, who's been on this podcast before, he mentioned that uh, common sense would tell you that 
sur- having surgery this late in the year going into week 16 would be a season ender, but a surgery like this, uh, actually not as bad as some might think, and therefore there is a chance that Kendall Fuller could come back. Not Not for certain he'll come back. But the Chiefs are not putting him on IR. He still has a spot on the 53-man roster. So the Chiefs are not uh, putting him out for the season. So this is one of those things where we have to wait and see. He could be day-to-day. The uh, magical words that Chiefs fans hate to hear. Uh, So it's one of those things where we just have to sit back. Uh, His season is not done. At least not for right now. Now, as far as... What's going on with the Chiefs defensively without Kendall Fuller? They're not going to have him for at least a game, probably two games. We're probably not going to see Kendall Fuller until the playoffs. This is what could hurt Kansas City. Now, again, I know what I said with Andy Reid and the conservative play calling, but this puts pressure on the Chiefs offense, and hopefully Andy Reid realizes that and won't be so conservative because, let's be realistic, uh, I don't see the Chiefs defense improving, especially without Kendall Fuller. Orlando Skendrick, he's had a couple of flashes, as can any player throughout the season, but he's been bad. He, he's just been flat out bad. He had an interception that he should have had against the LA Rams on their game-winning drive and couldn't contain it, and he also let the Chargers score that touchdown play and also the two-pointer with ease. Say what you want about the penalties and how the touchdown should not have counted, but uh, it honestly shouldn't have even come down to that. Or Skander just basically let, uh, let the player just get straight around him and got to the end zone. And by the way, it was Mike Williams, the uh, the player whose name I forgot. He's the one who who got the game-winning touchdown and the two-point conversion. Uh, three touchdowns. Well, I, I guess, in a way, four touchdowns. If you want to look at the two-point play, like a touchdown play. He got to the end zone four times. That's what I'm trying to say. So, uh, gosh, I'm not so confident with Orlando Skandrick. He's kind of had an up-and-down year. He was climbing the charts on Pro Football Focus's cornerback rankings during that winning streak when the Chiefs were going up against a lot of weak offenses. But... You're not going to be able to do that against a team like the Seattle Seahawks. And that's where we're going to see Orlando Skindrick get picked on a lot. So there's a mini preview for you right there. Uh, But again, Orlando Skindrick, he has been guilty of uh, a couple of these losses for Kansas City. Again, should have had an interception uh, that Jared Goff threw right to him. And then, uh, of course, letting uh, Mike Williams basically have it his way in the end zone a couple of times. Shouldn't have even come down to that, but Kendall Fuller, uh, he'll probably be out for a couple of games. My guess probably does not come back until the playoffs if they're confident that his season is not over. Uh, speaking of defensive backs, uh, we didn't talk about this last episode, but Eric Berry obviously made his highly anticipated return. He only played 30 snaps, though, all of them in the first half. Now, BJ Kissel was tweeting, saying, uh, comparing this kind of to like a pitch count. And that he, even though Eric Berry's not on the field, he is stretching on the on the sidelines. And this was during the second half. Eric Berry didn't even play a single snap in the second half. The plan, according to Eric Berry and Andy Reid after the game, the plan was to keep him sidelined in the second half. Why? The game is on the... Listen, I get if you want to give Eric Berry the rest and you thought the 14-point lead, you thought, okay, we can just let him chill the rest of the, the, the game. But... When the game is on the line, why are you not putting Eric Berry on the field? Why Why is that the case? So the game's on the line and you're just going to keep him sidelined anyway? I, I, I'm not quite sure what the plan was. I think it would have been a little bit more logical if you had a 30-snap count planned and if it was throughout the game, but to have it all in the first half and nothing in the second, I mean, I thought he injured something. 
uh, that he didn't play in the second half. I was, I was pretty thrown off by this. A lot of people speculated that this could have been the plan, but it, it's a weird plan, don't you guys think? I mean, to to play in the first half, but not in the second half, I'm not quite sure. Uh, listen, Barry had some good plays in this game. In his first game back, I, I thought he did better than I expected. He had that big quarterback pressure uh, that created the first interception that Phillip Rivers threw. He had a couple of big stops as well. Uh, but was also beat a couple of times. And again, that's why it's key that he plays these last couple of games before the playoffs uh, to get his feet wet after being gone for 29 games. And hopefully you get that bye week in the playoffs. That way he can have another week to rest. And hopefully we'll see Eric Berry in his Pro Bowl form by the time the Chiefs will play whoever in the divisional round of the playoffs. And that'll obviously be at Arrowhead. And I don't know if he truly needed to sit out uh, and by the way, he did say that he could have gone for the Ravens game. Now, players are always going to say that they could have played. Uh, but he did say that. Uh, listen, I saw Barry in the first half make a tackle to force fourth down. And he jumped high in celebration. Obviously ecstatic to return. And, and that's why he did that. But when he jumped, I was convinced his foot is great. And he's doing just fine. Hell, he, the fact that you are playing football at full speed the way Eric Barry was, that alone, I was convinced. That he was fine. So I'm not quite sure exactly why the plan was play the first half but not the second half. I don't understand that. If you wanted to bring him out for second and third down situations, okay, I, I can I can see the logic in that. That probably would have been ideal, at least to me. And look, this is why I'm not a head coach, but I, I, I still don't get the logic in playing the first half but not the second half. And also, interesting note, I posted this on, on Facebook. Eric Berry... And I can't quite tell who he was talking to. Eric Berry was shouting at one of the defensive backs, telling them how to line up. And you could see just his body language physically. He was he was pissed off, yelling at them and getting close to them, saying, hey, look, you got to line up at the line of scrimmage. And then was talking to another defensive back, telling them to lay off the line of scrimmage a little bit. Why is it that Eric Berry, who's playing for the first time in 29 games, while everyone else, they've been here pretty much throughout the season, why does Eric Berry know more than everyone else on the field? I get he's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking that away from him. But why is it that 15 weeks into the season, Eric Berry is having to tell defensive backs how to line up? Why? I'm I'm a little thrown off by that. That is a big concern of mine. In addition to the fact that Kendall Fuller is going to be out for a couple of games in Orlando Skandrick, along with Steven Nelson, is your featured cornerback. I mean, this is a pretty big concern of mine. Hopefully, Eric Berry can play more than 30 snaps. A lot of people talk about his absence in the second half, a big reason why the Chiefs could not be as dominant. I mean, the Chiefs were doing anything and everything they wanted to in the second half. The six uh, quarterback hits, the four sacks, uh, there are nine quarterback hits, I take that back. Nine QB hits, four sacks, and two interceptions, holding the Chargers to just seven points. They got an interception on the first drive of the game, and they got an interception on the last drive uh, the Chargers had possession uh, of, of the football in that first half. And when Eric Berry didn't play, that same defense was not there. So, take that for what it's worth to you. I, I didn't think Eric Berry's absence would have made that big of a difference, but I guess his leadership is that crucial for, for Kansas City. So, hopefully he is going to play a lot more in the second half, as well as pretty much the entire game moving forward, especially against the Seahawks. You're definitely going to need Eric Berry the entire game. And 
We'll see what happens this week. I'll update you guys on social media, and we'll discuss on the podcast on Thursday's episode what Eric Berry's status is, or at least uh, how much he practiced in Wednesday if it was limited or if he was a full participant. He's been limited in all the practices he's been a part of with the Chiefs. He's been limited in all of them so far, so we'll see if that changes for Eric Berry this week when they prepare for the Seahawks. Again, we'll obviously have our breakdown, the preview episode, Thursday morning available for you guys. Last thing I want to discuss before we get into the AFC playoff picture. <laughs> uh, so this was comical. Uh, I mentioned last episode I talked about this. So Stephen A. Smith, uh, who, and I don't know the name of the show. I think it's First Take. I, I'm Look, I'm at work, so I don't know the name of all these shows. I know there's First Things First and... Uh, is cold pizza still a thing? I, I don't even know. Uh, but there are all these roundtable shows that you see on ESPN and FS1. Uh, and Stephen A. Smith, he's on one of them on ESPN. <laughs> and, uh, this was his, uh, analysis, his breakdown, his preview, uh, Thursday morning for the Chiefs and Chargers game. Listen to what he had to say. Spencer Ware is out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I forgot. I'm sorry, Max. I'm sorry. Absolutely. He is out. But I'm thinking Tyreek Hill. I'm thinking Patrick Mahomes. I'm also looking at the San Diego Chargers on offense, and I'm thinking about Hunter Henry and the way that he's played this year and as effective as he's been. He's going up against Derrick Johnson, and I got to keep my eyes on that because I'm looking at it from the standpoint. uh, Listen, here's, here's, here's where I'm at with all of this. At the end of the day, I'm looking at Patrick Mahomes. I'm looking at Tyreek Hill. Okay, okay, we can stop right there. You get the idea. Basically, he thinks that Hunter Henry still plays for the Chargers. He also called them the the San Diego Chargers, but look, so has everybody else. I I think there may have been a time where maybe I have referred to them as the San Diego Chargers. So I'll give him a pass on that one. But come on. I mean, look, Hunter Henry going up against Derek Johnson. And then look, uh, Matt Derek, who runs Arrowhead Addict, he and I were were making jokes on social media about how, uh, oh, there's... Hunter Henry scoring on Derek Johnson right there. Uh, by the way, everyone kind of had fun with this. Uh, Stephen A. came out and, and basically poked fun at himself. He he had a photoshopped uh, tweet. Uh, it was a picture of Derek Johnson and Hunter Henry talking to each other in pregame. So obviously it's not real. Uh, but he had that. And then Andy Studebaker tweeted, man, uh, he said, you guys are being tough on Stephen A. Uh, I'd be willing to suit up right now. And Derek Johnson also tweeted in on this. He said, man, uh, you guys had me fooled. I thought I was really going to play today. Uh, so everyone was poking fun, having fun with this. But uh, here's what I'll say about this. Stephen A. And, and let, me, let me step back for a second. Think about guys who, and I've had a lot of people tell me they want to work in media. And they've asked me for their advice. Here's my thing. If you want to get to the top level, like ESPN, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, if you want to be a national columnist... Uh, here's the thing you've got to keep in mind. You have to cover, you have to basically know the top 25 in college football real well. You have to know the top 25 in college basketball real well. And then when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I I can't tell you how annoying it is. People pretending like they know these, the, the six, the 16 seeds for all these other teams. I, I mean, look, no one knows them. I don't, I don't care if you're the biggest analyst in college basketball, you do not know who the hell any of those teams are that barely got into the tournament. But keep in mind, you've got to know the top 25 in college football, top 25 in college basketball. you got to know all 32 NFL teams. you got to know all the teams in the NBA, Major League Baseball. Now, NHL doesn't get that much coverage, even though it's considered one of the four major sports. 
Major League Soccer, I mean, do these shows even talk about the MLS? Maybe they talk about the World Cup, that kind of thing. But I don't think they'll dive into MLS talk. I know the MLS Cup was recent. Did they even talk about it? I I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't know. Uh, So here's my point. Especially this time of year right now. uh, What do you have going on? College football is pretty crazy right now with all the bowl games coming up. You've got college basketball. It's in full swing right now. The NFL, this is a pretty crazy time in the NFL, obviously, with the playoff race heating up. You've obviously got the NBA and the NHL underway. Winter meetings for Major League Baseball usually take place this time of year. You have to know a lot of things if you're going to be a national columnist. If you want to be a guy that provides commentary on all the sports out there, you've got to know a lot of things. That's Stephen A. Smith's job. He has to know about, and I don't want to say, he doesn't have to know about all 32. Let's just be completely honest right now. How many people can give a full analysis of the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers teams right now? Or the Oakland Raiders? No one can. Those are bad teams. You don't don't discuss bad teams because even in those markets, in Oakland, in Arizona, in those cities where they're pretty much looking forward to the draft at this point, even fans from their cities... Uh, from that market, they're not even paying attention to their teams. So why would they discuss it on a national circuit like ESPN? The only time the Chiefs ever got national attention during a really terrible season in 2012 was that unfortunate incident with Javon Belcher uh, and what he did. Uh, that's that's the only time uh, a bad team makes national headlines like that. That or if they fire a, a head coach or if they fire their coaching staff, whatever. You got the idea. So you've got to focus in mostly on the, the high-powered teams. Now, obviously, when you look at the playoff picture, which we'll discuss shortly, you've got Kansas City, you've got New England, you've got Houston. You, you know about those teams pretty well, uh, as well as the NFC side of things. But keep in mind, the NBA is a big deal, so you've got to know about that. They they love to talk about LeBron, so that's probably 90% of their NBA coverage, for all I know. Uh, but But you get the idea. You have to know a lot. At the same time, though, if you are a guy like Stephen A. Smith, and I don't know how much Stephen A. Smith makes... But I would be willing to put down money that he gets paid seven figures. And if it's not seven figures, it's really, really close to it. I'm sure. So if you're a guy like Stephen A. Smith, look, you have to know that Derek Johnson, not only is he not playing for the Chiefs, he was playing for a different team this year. Hunter Henry hasn't even played all year long. So, and I saw Nick Wright who came to his defense and said, hey, look, everyone's allowed to slip up. And I agree with that. I've made slip ups here and all the national columnists have made slip-ups occasionally but a slip-up like that that is a pretty egregious error and again look blank happens right we all know so everyone's entitled once and look it's not like Stephen a just made this error and refused to acknowledge it he obviously poked fun at himself he obviously has a sense of humor about this you have to if you completely screw up like this i've done it before here on this podcast and on social media and i've put correction tweets when i've needed to uh, everyone has done it, so it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I do think Stephen A. should should know these kinds of things because you're getting paid a lot of money. And again, it, it is difficult to cover all these sports teams. But when you're getting paid a lot of money and you you're at the basically the highest level you can be in sports journalism and sports media, you have to be able to 
to know these things. He's going up against Derek Johnson. You, you, you can't say that. You know what would have been icing on the cake is if he goes, Kareem Hunt's going to have a 200-yard game on this Chargers defense. That would have been icing on the cake. That would have been hilarious. But obviously everyone knows about why Kareem Hunt's not on the team. But that would have just been icing on the cake if Stephen A. Smith said that. But fortunately, it didn't go that far. Uh, with the uh, ESPN execs, I think that I think that would have warranted some sort of discussion behind closed doors. But hey, uh, good thing it didn't happen. He's going up against Derek Johnson. <laughs> that is just too damn funny. Um, speaking of sports media, I did mention last podcast I would talk about this on this episode. Instead, I'm going to save it for the next episode. Uh, so here's what I'll say. Lots of you guys, and this has been brought up by a couple of guests who I've had recently. Um, This is something you guys have asked for years. A lot of you guys have been asking, why am I not in sports media? Why am I, why am I, a lot of you guys know I I was with the Kansas City Star. I was writing for them. I was also at 610 Sports Radio, a couple of other media. I was also with the LJ World, uh, and I'm no longer with those media outlets. Uh, And I didn't do the podcast for a while. I was also with Bleacher Report. Uh, so here's the thing. I was going to get into that on this episode. Instead, I've decided not to. I will go into that in the next episode. So uh, a lot of you guys have been asking, why am I not in sports media? You guys will hear the explanation. I'll, I'll basically go into detail with that on the next episode. And if you guys don't want to hear that, if you don't care to hear that, a lot of you guys have been asking for it. So that's why I'm I, I, I'm going to explain. I was kind of waiting for the right time to bring all of that up. Uh, but for those, uh, who don't care about it, I'll, I'll mention on the podcast, you know, how much time you can skip across for those who don't care to hear about that, uh, next episode. So that'll come out, not this episode, but next episode at some point before we break down the game between the Chiefs and the Seahawks. So we'll talk about that on Thursday's episode. But for now, AFC playoff picture, we've got to get into that because that I know is the big thing that you guys want to hear about. Kansas City still on top of the conference with an 11 and 3 record. The Chargers also have an 11 and 3 record, but they have a five seed right now due to uh, division leader rules and how that all works out with the playoffs. Uh, you look at who has a two seed right now, even though the Chargers have the second best record, uh, it is Houston. Houston has a number two seed. They are 10-4 and four right now, one game behind Kansas City. They came away with a win on Saturday afternoon against the Jets. And what was a more com- competitive game than uh, what we expected, a back-and-forth game in the fourth quarter, the Patriots, they have suffered back-to-back losses in the month of December. I would have never expected that. They are 9-5 and five and currently hold a three-seed. The Steelers, the team that beat the Patriots, uh, just snapped a three-game losing streak. And not only did they snap the three-game losing streak, their win against the Patriots keeps them ahead in the AFC North. Playoff race. I know that's not something you guys are concerned about too much, but the reason I bring that up is the Steelers know that they have something to play for, so that puts pressure on them to come away with a big win like this, and it helps Kansas City. So that is the uh, bright spot in a situation like this, and it will come through for Kansas City again. I'll I'll explain why in just a moment. Uh, But that's your playoff picture right now. So the the loss on Thursday night stings a little less, uh, but you still have a lot of work to do. What do the Chiefs need? Well, here's what's going to go on this weekend. The Ravens visit the LA Chargers Saturday night. That will be on NFL Network, and that will be 720 
uh, on NFL Network. All the times I read to you, by the way, they are all Central Standard Time, so keep that in mind. Uh, but both the Ravens and the Chargers, here's what they have in common. They play each other on Saturday night, and they are both in second place in their divisions, and they're one game behind uh, the division leaders. The Ravens, by the way, not only are they fighting to try to compete with the Steelers for uh, uh, the division lead, but also, if they lose this game, they could fall behind in the wild card. They could actually fall out of the playoff picture uh, after week 16. So they definitely have to win against the Chargers, whereas the Chargers, if they win, they could be division leaders if the Chiefs don't win Sunday night, whereas if the Chargers lose, hey, look, they're still, uh, they obviously have their playoff spot wrapped up already, so no big deal for the Chargers. So the Ravens have a lot to play for more than the Chargers. Yes, the number one seed is up for grabs, so that's a big deal for the Chargers, but this is going to be a playoff-like game Saturday, uh, Saturday night between the Chargers and Ravens, similar to how it was uh, this past Thursday between the Chiefs and Chargers, as well as what we saw Sunday afternoon between the, the Patriots and the Steelers. So we've got a lot of playoff-type games uh, that we've seen and a couple more coming up uh, in the AFC playoff picture. Uh, that's why the month of December is a crazy month and you, you've got to win your games uh, in the month of December. you got to have a good record coming into the month of December and... By that point, you'll know if you'll be in control of your destiny or how far behind you are to be in control of your destiny. Fortunately for Kansas City, they've been in control this entire time, but uh, Thursday night's loss does make things a little bit difficult, and it does create a narrow race right now in the AFC. Another thing the Chiefs need, in addition to the Chargers losing on Saturday, uh, the Texans and the Eagles, they play each other on CBS, that'll be a noon game. Uh, the Texans, like I said, they're a two seed and they're one game behind Kansas City. So they are uh, ahead of the Patriots now. It was the Patriots who we were worried about for the longest time, but now it's the, uh, it's the Texans who are creeping up behind the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills do visit the Patriots, also a noon kickoff game, also on CBS. Wow, I never thought I would say this, but the Patriots of all teams, that is the least concerned team right now for the Chiefs. The Patriots are nowhere near a threat. Yes, they beat the Chiefs at that. And by the way, the the Patriots can still get the number one seed, but they need everything to go their way. They need the Chiefs and the Chargers to lose out, as well as the Texans. And not only that, the the Patriots have to win out. So the Patriots' shot at home field advantage is next to impossible right now. The Chiefs are not going to lose out, nor the Chargers. Uh, The Chargers could, uh, but I don't think they will. And the Texans, I don't think they lose out either. So uh, New England is not going to have home field advantage. It's going to be a three-team race between the Chiefs, Texans, and Chargers. And in fact, I think it's going to be between the Chiefs and and Chargers. I think those two teams, uh, really, uh, whoever wins the division, I think will end up winning uh, home field advantage as well. Now, uh, let me say this. Uh, Well, first let me bring up the Sunday Night Football game. The Chiefs are fighting to stay ahead in the conference and the division, whereas uh, the the Seahawks, Seattle is fighting to stay ahead in the NFC wildcard race because the Rams already have won their division. So the Seahawks are kind of in a similar position uh, as the Ravens, except the Ravens have a chance to win the division. But if they lose, they're going to fall behind in the wildcard race. The same thing could happen to the Seahawks. So that is a playoff-like game that we are going to see. A game between uh, two teams in different conferences. Uh, so it kind of feels like a wild card type game, uh, whereas these teams, they're just trying to stay alive right now. Uh, well, I mean, the Chiefs, they're in the playoffs, but they want that number one seed. You you want to play at Arrowhead. 
uh, I had someone tweet me and ask, uh, you know, do you think it would be better to not play at Arrowhead considering the losing streak? And listen, I understand some fans believe in trends and patterns. I don't. And I understand the Chiefs have a brutal losing streak at home in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I will still take my chances with the Chiefs at home than on the road. Uh, we all know about Arrowhead, the loud environment Arrowhead is. So uh, give me Arrowhead in the playoffs any day over going on the road. Because for the Chiefs to have a, a home game in Week 17 and possibly have home field advantage, that could really bode well. I mean, essentially, they would not even travel for the entire month of January. In addition to Week 17, they'd be home uh, pretty much until the Super Bowl. So that would really go a long way. Now, by the time the Super Bowl comes, if the Chiefs make it that far, hopefully, uh, we're not going to be talking about how long they've been at home and not having to travel. Every game is different, uh, so you can never rely on that solely, but still, I'll take my chances at home rather than going on the road, despite recent uh, success or lack thereof in the postseason at Arrowhead. So keep that in mind. Uh, Let me just say this. Uh, There are some really odd scenarios where the Chiefs could lose and still get a number one seed. Uh, First scenario to get a number one seed simply went out. Another scenario, this is actually a very odd one. The Chiefs could lose in Week 16, and in Week 16, you could also see the Chargers and the Texans win. However, in Week 17, if the Chiefs win and the Chargers lose, the Chiefs get a number one seed in a three-way tie. So again, the Chiefs don't have to win out, but let's be honest, they have to win out. Because you can't rely on another Week 17 miracle similar to 2006. I mentioned to you guys last Sunday when the Chiefs had that miracle where they won and everyone else except for the Chargers lost. You're not going to get that every single time. It's not going to happen again. So at this point, you've got to win out. There is a very odd scenario where the Chiefs could beat the Seahawks but lose to the Raiders and the Chiefs would end up with a wild card spot. You might be asking, how is that possible? So let's put it this way. If the Chiefs beat the Seahawks and if the Chargers lose, obviously the Chiefs have a one-game lead. It's not over yet, though. Even if the Chiefs win and the Chargers lose in Week 16, in Week 17, if the Chiefs lose to the Raiders and if the Chargers beat the Broncos, the uh, the Chargers not only win the division, probably will win a home field advantage, the Chiefs end up with a wild card spot. You might be wondering why that's possible. This would be due to the Chargers having a better record than the Chiefs in games against common opponents. So that's why it's very important that the Chiefs went out at this point. Look, simply put, got to win out. The Chiefs could have wrapped up the division, and I believe they could have even uh, have have had home field advantage if they won on Thursday, given what happened to the Patriots. But unfortunately, that's not the case. But still, you're in control of your destiny, and you can't really suffer a loss at this point. The Chiefs can't afford that anymore. So at this point, you've got to win out. I know a lot of people would have liked for to see the to see the Chiefs rest their starters on uh, the Sunday against the uh, Raiders, but a lot of people also debated how would the Chiefs handle that if they had the number one seed wrapped up. I have no idea. Hopefully, they treat it like a preseason game where the offense uh, the starters play for a, a drive or two. Uh, but obviously, that's not completely irrelevant to have that discussion at this point. And uh, at this rate, you just need to win out. Simply put, gotta win out. And by the way, I do want to mention one other thing. I'm seeing a lot of Chiefs fans bring up the fact that the Seahawks played and lost in overtime to the 49ers. 
People are making a big deal out of this because they think that having the Seahawks being forced to play in overtime and the Chiefs having 10 days to prepare for the Seahawks on Sunday night, people think that's some big advantage, and I completely disagree. Yes, I know 10 days versus 7 days, there is a there is an advantage there, but I don't think it's a big one. Uh, but by the way, 7 days plus an overtime period against the Seahawks, I don't think that's a big advantage. I really don't. Uh, listen, by Saturday afternoon, I think Chiefs fans are going to forget about the fact that the Seahawks had an overtime period that they played. So, uh, if anything, look, I think the Seahawks have an advantage because they're at home at least. And traveling from, and I, I don't know where the game was. Uh, I think this, the game was in San Francisco. So, it's not like they're, they're traveling from the East Coast all the way back. And even if they were, you still have a week like normal to prepare for the Chiefs. I don't think that's any big deal. Listen, I've seen people make a big deal out of Thursday night football advantages. The fact that, uh, remember week, what was it? Week two in 2015, the Chiefs had a Thursday night football game, their home opener against the Broncos. And the Broncos had a 325 game that they had to play and they didn't get done until what? Seven o'clock almost. Ryan Lilger was on 610 Sports making a big deal out of that uh, saying, hey, look, the Chiefs, uh, they get to go home, and the Charger or the the uh, Broncos they had a, a late afternoon game, and they have to come to Arrowhead on Thursday. Well, look what happened. We all know uh, the the way that game ended, but I, I I think people look into these kinds of things. You know how many days a team has to prepare for in a bye week and all. I think that's very overrated, and people look into that too much. I know Andy Reid historically has had a good record coming off a of bye, but his record. As the Chiefs head coach coming off a bye, including playoff games, is 4-3. and three. So, I honestly don't make too big of a deal of that. Do you guys agree with me, or do you guys think I'm completely nuts? Let me know. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Plus my email, Farzine at Farzinevesugian.com. Uh, one other thing I do want to mention. Because I hear, I hear people saying this. Especially after a Thursday night loss against the Chargers. A lot of people are saying the Chiefs aren't capable of winning a Super Bowl after Thursday's loss, the way they lost. The Chiefs are still on top of the conference. Let me remind you that. The Patriots just lost back-to-back games in December. And by the way, they're, the way they lost their games, not very pretty at all. You allowed the, the Dolphins to have that miracle play to win the game and score. And the Steelers, they had a three-game losing streak. By the way, two of those teams who the Steelers lost to were to teams below 500, the Raiders and the Broncos. Teams who the Chiefs have beaten three times so far. The Chiefs will play the Raiders one more time this year, but the Chiefs have beaten those teams three times combined. Yet, the Steelers still snapped their losing streak against the Patriots of all teams. The Chargers, by the way, they allowed the Broncos to put together a game-winning drive at quote-unquote home, and the Broncos got that game-winning field goal to beat the Chargers at Los Angeles. Hell, the Dallas Cowboys, they were on a hot run with a five-game winning streak, and they got shut out by the Colts. This game changes week to week. It really does. As much as the past, you know, how you've done all year long, that plays into, into things, it's a factor. But at the same time, man, uh, you whatever happens last week isn't relevant to what happens the following week. It really isn't. As crazy as that sounds, it sounds like uh, self-contradiction there. That's just the way the NFL works. It really does. So, I, I, I get the overreaction coming off that brutal, heartbreaking loss. But the Chiefs, in my opinion, they still have the best chance at a Super Bowl among 
all AFC teams, especially if Andy Reid isn't conservative, and that is a big if, but that's been the theme of this episode. We talked about that a lot early on, and that's the key for the Chiefs moving forward. Last thing, real quickly, let's look at the four teams uh, that impact the Chiefs in the playoff picture, including the Chiefs themselves. Uh, Let's look at their schedules to wrap up the season. The Chiefs, they've got the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, and they've got the Raiders at home. The Chargers, they've got the Ravens at home on Saturday night, and then they go visit the Denver Broncos. Uh, And by the way, I I just mentioned they lost to the Broncos on a game-winning drive put together by Case Keenum to set up the game-winning field goal. The Texans, they visit the Philadelphia Eagles, and then they uh, play the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. The Patriots, they play the Bills and the Jets at home. Again, uh, in order for the Patriots to get the number one seed, they need to win out, which I think they can do. And they also need the Chiefs and Chargers to lose out. Plus, they need the Texans to lose one game uh, to get, uh, at the very least, a... uh, a top two seed so they can get a bye week for the playoffs. Uh, maybe the Texans lose a game. I don't know. But uh, I, I, the, I don't see the Patriots getting a number one seed. They need the Chiefs, Chargers, and Texans to all lose out, and I don't see that as a possibility. But those four teams right there, that is the last two games for all four of them. Going to be a very, very tight race. Could have wrapped it up sooner, but hey, look, uh, if you want home field advantage, it's not going to be easy. And the team that's on top, They always have a target on their backs, and the Chargers came to play Thursday night, but the Patriots losing makes it a little easier, but at the end of the day, simply speaking, uh, it's kind of still no different than before. The Chiefs still need to win out due to what happened on Thursday, so win your games, and you get the home field advantage, you get the number one seed. Sounds easy, but it's easier said than done, because the Chiefs do have the Seattle Seahawks on the road, Sunday night football, and... You got the Raiders at home. I know the Raiders haven't been good, but they've showed some heart lately in some of their games, and you can never take a uh, divisional rival lightly. You can never take any NFL team lightly, but divisional games, man, those are always the most intense ones uh, when you least expect it, too. So you got to win out the last two games, and hopefully the Chiefs can do that. Appreciate you guys listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farzine Vesugian. We will be back on Thursday. We will talk... Chiefs versus Seahawks, Sunday Night Football. We will break down that game. We'll also look at some of the injury updates. How is Eric Berry doing in practice? Is he a full participant? How about Cam Irving and Sammy Watkins? Will they be available on Sunday Night Football? We'll talk about that. Also, good news about Alex Smith. We'll talk about that on Thursday's episode as well. Plus, I want to tell you who I think will play in the NFC Conference Championship game. Not who you think. In fact, one of the two teams you're probably thinking of, or both teams... I don't even have them in there. I'll tell you who I think will play in the conference title game. That and much more on Thursday's episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. My name is Farz Vesugian. Subscribe, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Share it as well. Facebook.com slash Vesugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21, and my email, Farzine at Farzinevesugian.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your week. Talk to you Thursday.